Hey there, <laughs> welcome to another episode of Lakeside. I'm your host, Daniel Stombaugh, and I'm glad you're here with me today. We are going to have a transformational day today. We're going to take the next few minutes and talk about our identity in Christ, that is who we are in Him and who we are to Him. And this is powerful because identity brings purpose. Let's get started. And we're back. This is day number 40, and we're rolling right through Song of Solomon. Chapter number 4 and verse number 4 is where we're going to pick up if you're following along uh, with your Bible. If you have the Song of Solomon devotional journal, this would be day number 40. And so if you don't have your journal yet, you can grab that online on Amazon. Uh, Sol- Solomon's Song, A 90-Day Journey of God's Expressed Desire for Your Heart. Or you can go to danielstombaugh.com, and you can pick up your own devotional journal there, and it's a 90-day journey with us. And I said we're on day number 40 of that journal today. But we're talking about Solomon Solomon chapter 4 and verse number 4, specifically affirmation and God affirming us. And, you know, we, we spend so much time trying to jump through hurdles and hoops sometimes trying to get God to notice us. You know, I'm trying to please him like a parent or like a um, divine uh, employer. I'm trying to please God, trying to bring value to him because God is so great and he brings so much value to us. What do I bring the relationship? And so uh, I will try and strive, or you will try and strive, we'll we'll strive to try to bring value to God. I want to be a good workman in the fields. You know, I want to be this person that has value to the king. And the truth is uh, our value is not dependent on us. Our value to God is dependent completely upon God. And God says, I placed my value in you when I decided to give you Christ and give you a way of redemption so I can bring you into my kingdom, bring you into presence, bring you into royalty to make you. Romans 8.29 said you were predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. I've allowed circumstances in your life all for the benefit of bringing you into this conforming to my image, to bring you back to what I made you to be in the Garden of Eden in my image. I made you to be that way. God says, I brought you here, your royalty, and you just don't know it. You know, I'm bringing you back and I provided a way to open the kingdom doors and it has nothing to do with you. And so what we see here is a story between the bride and the groom, and it's God and us. It's the pursuer and the pursued and speaking affirmation to us, and we simply have to receive it. God doesn't ask you to understand his love. He doesn't ask you to understand his affirmation. He just asks you to accept it. He just asks you to accept it. You have to understand why God loves you. You just have to believe that he does and accept it and walk in that. And so here he is talking to the bride and he's describing her body and he describes her body quite a bit, not just because he liked looking at her, you know, um, you know, not because he liked, lo- I like looking at beautiful things. No, not because of that. He describes her body because there's a lot of symbolism there. This girl has gone through some severe mental abuse and verbal abuse. And we'll find that out as you go through farther along in the chapters. Uh, but she has gotten some severe mental and verbal abuse as she's gone through this journey. And the king is doing everything he can to uh, help her understand her body beauty and help her understand her her worth is not what her brothers have said it was. It's not what those people that have used her and abused her have said it was. He said, no, your beauty and your your glory comes from something greater. And he's describing her body, spends a great deal of time on that. So here he's talking about her neck specifically. He says, thy neck is like the Tower of David, builded for an armory, whereon they hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. I love that. 
I love that because the Tower of David was not some rinky-dink structure. The Tower of David stood above the walls. You could see this thing. And he wasn't saying you got a neck like a giraffe. <laughs> you know, he wasn't saying your neck is long. Man, that's a long neck you got. What are you, a brontosaurus? <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was talking about her neck and he's describing the beauty because the Tower of David was completely clad in ivory and it stood up above the walls. It towered above the city. But it's there's a lot of strategy behind that tower and where it was built, why it was built. And he's reassuring her of her chosen in place in the kingdom and he chooses to compare her to a place that was of extreme importance to the strength and the harmony of the kingdom. The Tower of David was not just a tower where you paid five bucks to get to the top, get a t-shirt and a snow globe and overlook the city and put a little quarter in the binoculars and see everything there is to see. The Tower of David was a barracks that David had built for his mighty men. And David, when he built this tower, remember the mighty men. These guys were like the Navy SEALs of the, of the uh, Army of Jerusalem. These guys were tough. Uh, one guy killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. One guy killed someone with a spear. Uh, he had all of these people where he jumped down and two, uh, fought two men with a net. You know, and all these, if you could read the stories of David's mighty men and how accomplished these guys were. They were very skilled at the craft of warfare, very skilled at the craft of defense and, and fighting and they were strong and they were very feared and respected among the people of Jerusalem. So when David built a place for these guys to hang their uh, helmets, he wasn't building just a rinky-dink barracks. He built a beautiful strategic tower. And he said, I'm putting this at the weakest spot of the city. He looked throughout the entire city and said, if I was to be invaded, where would, it, where would I be most vulnerable? Right there in that corner, right there along that wall. He went to that neighborhood and he built this tower and people would begin to ask, what is going on there? What are you building? He said, I'm building a place for the mighty men to live. Let me ask you, if you were a, a, a townsperson, if you were a city dweller in that city and you knew that you lived in the weakest, most vulnerable part of the kingdom and all of a sudden one day you saw the royal architects coming to put up a police academy, a police barracks, a training ground for soldiers and you saw them building this place right down the street from you, how safe would you feel? I mean, these guys were trained for war. How safe would you feel? It sent a clear message to everyone in that area. It said, number one, your king sees you. Your king is aware of you. So much so I'm bringing people and resources to your, to, right to your doorstep to prove it. And number two, it said that the king held his own people in value. It was a show of love and concern for those who lived in this area of the kingdom and that they mattered to the king and that their reassurance that they were protected. Let me just say that God chooses to place us in situations and in circumstances where people's mindsets and their attitudes and their perspectives are weak. Have you ever been in a place where you looked around, maybe a job, a home, uh, a situation, you looked around and said, man, I, this mentality is just broken. It's frustrating, man. I'm the only one. Am I the only one that's thinking around here? <laughs> you know? Have you ever felt that way, that you were alone, like you just... You just weren't like everyone around you. Like you weren't into the same things. You weren't into the same petty squabbles. You just weren't into the office drama. You just weren't into the debates. It's like this isn't this none of this stuff matters to me. Why am I here? And our first instinct is to try to cut and run and get to some place where we fit in, right? If we want to get to a to a pond where there's other fish swimming like us, when the truth is, man, God, we look at those places and our first instinct to bail when we know for a fact that God has placed us in those areas. 
So why would God put me in a place where I don't necessarily enjoy it? I don't necessarily enjoy the people I'm around. I don't necessarily enjoy the mindsets. I don't get along with this uh, this mindset. Man, I've been made fun of. I'm being mocked for my belief. I'm being uh, verbally assaulted. I'm being physically assaulted in some cases. Why am I here? God, why am I here of all the places I could be? Why am I here? We sit and think happy thoughts of another environment, and God says, no, I put you right where I put you for a reason. I chose to plant you. Paul says that we're planted planted in Christ. And Christ was not planted among people that had no need of a physician. Christ was planted among broke. He was planted around sick. He was planted among weak. He was planted in the wounded. He was planted in the diseased. He was planted with the poor. He's planted with the people around him that were broken in their minds. Their mentality is broken. So much so that when he came to town to raise someone from the dead, he wept and they said, oh, you love Lazarus. He said, I'm not weeping about Lazarus. I can call Lazarus forth. I'm weeping because of your unbelief. You know me. You know what I can do and you still don't believe. He said, I'm weeping because of the unbelief that I see. That's where Christ was planted. God planted Christ in the very heart of the need. And God plants you and God plants me in the very heart of the need. If you look around today or if you want to work today or or maybe you're just this month, this year, you, I'm in a place where I'm just about to yank my hair out because of the, the foolishness around me. Hold on, before you pack your bags, reevaluate, did God put you there? And if you are there because God put you there, Understand that God chooses to place us in the situations and circumstances where people's mindsets and their attitudes and their perspectives are weak. This is by design. I want to tell you why. It's by design because you are a symbol of God's strength. You are a symbol of God's strength. You're the tower. You are the tower of David. He puts you in the when the broken part of the wall, he puts you where people don't look up when they walk around. They look down at their feet. He puts you where the homeless people are, are, are laid out around you and sitting on the side of the road and panhandling for money. He puts you where the broken mindsets, where people are completely anti-God. He puts you in a mindset where it's a self-centeredness that's everywhere and it's just reeks of just dismal and depression. He puts you there because you're a symbol of his strength. You're not his strength. No, he is his strength, but you are a conduit of his strength. Is when I am weak, then I am strong. I put you there, right there, so you can display strength and you can be a symbol of who I am to them. You're his strength. He places you where he does in life and around the people that you are around for the express purpose of displaying his strength. You are his gift. Man, I want you just to say this to yourself very quickly. I am his gift gift. Say it again. I am his gift. One more time. This time, I want you to focus on the words. I am his gift. You are God's gift. And your very presence is proof that the people that you are around matter to the heart of the king. And I promise you, when those people see the king, and they will see the king, when they see the king one day, they're going to look back at him and say, you put a tower right where I was. Like you put this guy and he worked down the street from me. You put this lady and she worked in the same office building as me. 
And she would come by my desk, or I'd hear her singing, and she would come by my desk and she would smile. She'd invite me out to church events, and she just really just showed me uh, kindness and showed me extended love, or he extended love without anything, whether I came to their church or not, whether I believed like him or not. He was just there, and he was constant, and he was steady. And when I had a problem, he listened, and he would let me know, hey, or she'd let me know, hey, I prayed for you today. And you know what? That's hard. Being a tower is not easy. Being a tower can be frustrating. And so many times we feel like we blow it because we just, man, if God really knew what kind of person I was, he wouldn't made me his tower. You know what? We feel like that when we focus on us instead of who built us. When you focus on the tower instead of the person who built the tower, that's when the problems happen. Let me ask you a question. What circumstances have you felt that God has placed you in that seemed unfair to you at the time? Like, do you find yourself in a place where you say, man, this is unfair, and and God, I can't believe you put me here. I can't believe you put me here. It was for a purpose. It was for such a time as this. Man, I remember one time I worked at at a trucking company in Illinois, and there was this little lady that worked on the dock. Uh, She worked actually in the office for a computer repair. Her name was Charlotte, and just a small little uh, African-American lady. And she would walk this truck dock, and I believe I've talked about it in the past episodes, but she would walk up and down this truck dock, and it was a several hundred thousand square foot building. It was massive. This thing was massive. It had three basic buildings, three warehouses connected, and we had little trams and trolleys that went back and forth. This is huge. And she would walk this truck dock on her lunch hour, and she touched everything, and you'd hear her talking to herself, you know? And people would stop, and they would talk to her, and they'd, they'd, and Charlotte was just was just amazing. And Charlotte was not just talking. I found out later as I got to know Charlotte, what she was actually doing was praying. She prayed over every single thing in that truck dock. She touched every forklift, every dock door, every Gaylord box that had airbags in it. She chucked every air hose, every pallet as she passed by the of the product that we were, were um, um, uh, logistically staging for this other company. She would touch those things, right? And she walked through. And one day, um, Charlotte was getting ready to, I was getting ready to leave after I'd worked there seven years, getting ready to move uh, to Alabama to take a job as an associate pastor. And I remember I had gotten to know Charlotte, and Charlotte was very instrumental in teaching me how to hear God's voice in my life. And and after some difficulty on my part to break down some mental barriers to to accept what Charlotte had to teach me, uh, man, she began. She would just begin to pour into me about God's God's voice and how to hear Him, and it changed everything about me. Right. So I was getting ready to leave Charlotte and getting ready to leave work, and Charlotte says, "Daniel, uh, do you know what my job is here?" I said, "My job is to uh, your job is to fix the computers on the the forklifts." And she said, yes. And she said, do you understand? Um, you want to see how I fix these? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So she took me into her office, and I was expecting to see like this Tony Stark laboratory, right, with all these computers and hooked up. And it was just a regular wooden desk, and she had these little computers that our forklifts had on them. And she put this computer on her desk and just set it down. And she said, Daniel, I don't know anything about computers. And I said, what? She said, I don't know anything about computers. She said, I just, when a computer breaks... I bring it in this office. So Daniel, God gave me this office. The person that had this job before me said they didn't have an office. They had a workstation out with everyone else, but God gave me this office because God gave me this job because God knows that I didn't know anything about computers. I was completely unqualified and God gave it to me. I said, well, how did that happen, Charlotte? She said, I, he just did. I, I went to the interviews. I even told the people I didn't know anything about the computers, but they hired me anyway. I said, that's fantastic. I said, how do you, how do you fix computers? So I bring the computer in here, I sit on my desk, I sit down, and I, and this is, this is crazy. This can sound crazy to, to many people are listening to this. She said, I put it down, so I just simply put my hand on the computer, and I just said, God, 
you need to fix this computer because I don't know anything about this. I do know you gave me this job for a purpose. You want me to strengthen and edify your people that are here, your kids that are here. You gave me this office. You gave me this computer. Everything I have, you've given me. Now give me the understanding and fix this computer. And she said, God has taught me how to fix computers. God's taught me this. She said, I just I pray over that computer. I turn it back on and it works. She said, I put it back in the forklift and off they go. So for seven years, as Charlotte, I've worked here seven years. I've seen you bring out computers and put them on forklifts time after time. So for seven years, you mean to tell me that you have been like keeping this company afloat with your prayers? <laughs> the prayers of a of a little five foot lady has kept a multi million dollar company afloat? You know, Charlotte was a tower. She was a tower that God placed her around even Christians that didn't understand her. And you may find yourself even around fellow believers that do not get you. Like they don't get anything you're talking about. You get together for a small group or a house party and you want to talk about God's love. And man, the only thing they can talk about is sports or they talk about drama or they talk about some foolishness. And you're just like, does anyone here even care <laughs> about God? Yeah, it happens in church. So you ask yourself, God, why have I planned there? Where does God put you? I'm asking you, where does God put you? What job has he put you? What situation has he put you? What house has he put you in? Where is he, who has he surrounded you with? Who has he chosen you to be around? And if you've been quite tempted just to, to stop, understand this, that you've been planted for a season. You've been planted for a reason. You were there to impact. So stop looking around at the weakness of the people and start asking God to show you who it is that he wants you to impact. God, who do you want me to impact today? Who is it you want me to reach today? Who is it that I am supposed to be reaching today? Who is this tower supposed to benefit? You are his gift. You are his tower. God bless you. Hope you have a fantastic day today. And I, and I invite you to, to stay tuned. We're going to be jumping right in. The next uh, the episode number 41 is coming up next week. Uh, I invite you to stay stay tuned or follow, click like on this or follow it. And uh, don't make sure you don't miss this. But we're going to jump right into uh, the fact that we are enough. And, and next chapter, he starts talking about breasts. And this is where the whole thing gets a little awkward for the host to talk about. But it's amazing. Oh, I can't wait for next week. You're going to love this. Fantastic. Make sure you smile today give away your source because uh, your smile is your is, a, is the biggest picture of your source that you have it's god and when you smile you reflect him so make sure you give your smile away because people are hungry for your source god bless you have a fantastic day today